to show me how to run a day planner. And you know the whole point of that matter is, I had videos I wanted to show and use with this to help us. How many of y'all have ever seen the illustration of the big rocks and the little rocks? Oh, good. Do you know what happens? Our life gets so filled with little things that's not really important. And we get so filled with those little bitty rocks that the big rocks, which really is important, your family, your God, your church, what's really important, they're sitting out here and our schedules get so crammed up with things that are not important that we can't have time for the big rocks. And the Franklin Covey, he teaches, listen, in that video he said, look, we got it all backwards. We can fit everything we need to fit if we put it in right. What is he saying? You got to put the big rocks in first and pour the little rocks around it. Preacher, what are you saying? I promise you this. Everything you need to get done in a day, everything you need to get done in a week, if you will put God first and prioritize that and put Him on the top of the agenda, I guarantee you, you'll have time to spare every single week. But you know what we do? We run our agenda, and if we got any time left, we'll try to slip God in where we can. That is totally backwards. And we're wondering why our families are not blessed. We're wondering why, listen, our finances are not blessed. We're wondering why the things that we try to do, we try and we try and we try and we just can't seem to get ahead. God says, I'll tell you why. Because I'm not first in your life. I did a little calculator. Yeah, I broke out the calculator. Check this out. And, 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 I, and I added a little extra. I added a little extra to, to some things just to, to, just to prove something. There are 168 hours in the week. How many? 168 hours in the week. Let's put God first. Did you notice I didn't even start with sleep? I like to sleep. But I didn't even start there. I said, okay, God, you're first. Priority, you're first. I said two hours for worship. And we don't worship two hours. But just say we did. Two hours for worship. Two hours for our small group to minister. We're loving God, then loving... Then we're serving both. Two hours for service. Say we gave each one of those categories because God gave us a process. God wants us to be disciples. God wants us to mature and develop in disciples by loving God, loving others, and serving both. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, if we dedicated two hours for each one of them a week, that would be how many hours? All right. Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? All right. Now, then I said, let's say, let's say we get 56 hours of sleep a night. That's eight hours a night. How many of y'all actually get eight hours a night? How many of y'all, you, you get less than eight hours a night? Tell the truth. Uh-huh. See, I'm giving you some extra hours right here, all right? 56 hours of sleep, six hours to God. Then, 55 hours to work and commute. Some people work more than 40 hours, some people commute. I'm giving you a little extra there, here, there. All right? So, 55 hours for work. So, we've covered sleep, we've covered work, got to work, got to work. Man says if you don't work, he's not, you know, he's worse than the infidel. We, he, he's got to work. So, we got sleep, we got work, we got God. Y'all with me so far? All right, now, when you got sleep, you got work, and you got God, or actually you got God, you got sleep, you got work, that leaves seven and a half hours every day for anything else you want to do. Seven and a half hours a day to do whatever you need to do. Well, that's just not enough time. Well, you need to cut back. Yeah. Preacher, you're being mean. No, I'm telling you, you're going to kill yourself. Because the devil has gotten us so burdened down with so many things that's not important. 
that we are falling and failing to do what's priority, to do what's important, to do what God said for us to do, and we wonder why we're losing our families. I've got to ask you a question. Where is he at on your priority list? Do you come to church when you get a chance? And I know some people work on Sunday. I know some people work. That's, I, I talked with a lady this morning, invited her to church this, this Sunday. She works on, on Sunday morning, Sunday. I said, come on Wednesday. And I told her about small groups. We got people to meet in so you can get some Bible. And I know all that, but here's the point. Where are we putting God in our priority list? Do we make small groups just when we, if we have a chance? Where, where's it at on the list? Did you put it up top? Because see, Franklin Covey taught that you put the most important things first. You put your list out there and you number them. One, two, three. Bob, am I telling the truth on this? Am I telling them? One, two. Where are, where is he at in your list? You all have a list. Whether you know it or not, you have a list. It's what you do. And what you do the most and what you do the least determines what's most important in your life. I got to ask a question. I got to ask a question. If, if the ministry is lacking, in your life, your spiritual walk is lacking in those three areas. Loving God, loving others, serving both. Where's your priority? God said, is it time for to do all this other stuff? Is it time to do this other stuff? Uh, I've got a trophy in my... Brother David, could you run in, in my office? Quickly, quickly. This is real quick. Get the big pretty one. And the little ugly one. I mean the gnarliest looking one. I, I was sitting in, I was at uh, visiting a friend of mine. And, uh, and, and I've always wanted a big coonhound trophy. I always wanted to win something big. I wanted to get my picture in the magazine. I mean I did. Brother Kenneth, I wanted the big trophy, the whole thing. And I never could win one, so Cody won one and gave it to me. Amen? So I have a big trophy in my office if he'll ever come out here with it. We, we got a big trophy. And I, I, I got that. Really, I, yeah, that's the two. <laughs> Check this out. I had, I had this. Let me just put that on my, up here. I got this thing, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and Cody said, and this exact words, exact words. said, Preacher, uh, you never could get one, so I got one for you. <laughs> so I put that in my office. Isn't that pretty? Do you know there's guys that will lie to get one of these? There's, there's guys that will cheat and do it. Josh, am I telling the truth? Brother Bruce, where are you at? Brother Bruce, am I telling the truth on that? They'll lie. They'll, they'll do everything in the world because you know what? This right here is so important to them. This is their priority. They'll hunt every single night in the rain, in the snow, in the sleet. It does not matter because nothing else is important but that right there. Say, preacher, what's your point? I was at my friend's the other day. And I, I looked on his shelf over there. And I saw this. 9th Annual Grand American ACHA Hunt, 1974. How many of y'all think he was proud when he got that? Yeah. Everybody knows my picture on the wall because at the Coon Club, if you win a cast, you get, you, you get your picture taken and on there. Everybody looks. They try to do that serious look. When they come to my picture, you know what I was doing? 
They knew I was proud to be there. You reckon he is proud to get that? But see, there was a day when that looked like that. But you know what the Bible says? The things of this world is passing away. And we're teaching our kids that the priority is this. And we don't even realize that it's going to look like that one day. And here we are. You know what we're doing? We're renting life. We're not owning life. When you buy a house and you own a house, at the end of the time, you got something there to show for it. But if you rent, at the end of the time, you're left with nothing. And here we are killing ourselves with priorities that are not really important, that's not eternal, that's not lasting, it's not treasure in heaven. And when it's all said and done, we're left with nothing. You know what? Haggai told them that. Son, they got fired up and excited and they went to work. And that's what I want y'all to do. Son, we're going to get busy. We're going to do what God wants us to do. Bless God, let's go. And you know what? They did for a little while. About seven weeks went by. Seven weeks, weeks. Seven weeks, they were going after it. They were working. They were putting stone on top of stone. This brings us to chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month and the twentieth day of the month came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheetatel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it is nothing? Here's what was happening. This was the last day. This was the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. If you know anything about the Feast of the Tabernacles, it was a time of rejoicing. It was a time of harvest time where you could look out and see the blessings of God. And they were to get in tents. They were to set up tents and shelters and spend that week in them to remind them of where God had brought them from and to see the blessings of God and what God was taking them to. Well, in this last day, this was a time of rejoicing. Man, this was a time when they should have been shouting the victory, praising God for the blessings, praising God for what was going on, praising God and rejoicing for what was going on. But here's what was going on. The ancient men were going around discouraging people. They were going around telling, boy, it ain't like what the old temple was. Well, I tell you what, that old temple, man, it was full of gold and, and silver. And, man, and it was. It was. If you go back and study it, it, man, it, it, the floor was laid with gold. The pillars were laid with gold. The throne was laid with... I mean, it was, it was incredible. And those that could remember it, those that were old enough that they could see that, boy, it broke their hearts because this one was not like the old one. And, and I can understand that. How many of y'all can understand if you one, at one point and maybe in your childhood that you walked through and you've seen all of this elaborate, but now it's on such a smaller scale. Wouldn't that bother you? Hello, y'all still with me? And here they are. And they're going around telling. And they wouldn't get involved because it wasn't like the old temple. And it was bringing down the young people who were trying to do a work. Well, God saw that. And he addressed it. The first group he addressed were the lingering. The second group he addressed were the looking. Those that were so busy looking back 
They couldn't see what God was doing in the present. He said, how many of y'all remember the way it used to be? How many of y'all are old enough to remember what the former temple looked like? How many of y'all can remember what was there in Solomon? And, and watch how he words this. He said, is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Now, so how do we apply that to today? Just like in that day, we're rebuilding. We're not doing things like we used to do them. We're not doing things like uh, uh, the old days. We're not doing things like that. That God is changing things. Matter of fact, now you say, well, is this new? No, it's not new. What we're doing now is closer to, to the New Testament model than anything we've ever done. Yeah. Acts 2, read it. Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 20, read it. It's all there. The point of this is, we cannot go forward if we keep looking back. God challenged their perspective. To the lingering, to the lingering, God challenged their priorities. But to the lookers, those that were looking back, can you see this on that day? Let's go back to Ezra chapter 3. When that foundation was laid, listen, these young people were excited, man. They were excited about what God was doing. They were excited about the presence of God. And man, they're fixing to get them a new temple. The old men were weeping. And they could not see past the past to see what God was doing in the future. Yeah. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. No, it's never going to be like it used to be. No, it's never going to be like it used to be. It don't need to be like it used to be. So you got Bible? Oh, yeah. He said this is what God told him. He said, look, y'all, I know you don't think this is anywhere close to what you used to have. I know you don't think this is anywhere near what you used to have. But one thing you need to understand, I am with thee. You see it in this verse? Look here. Look here. He says, yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people, saith the Lord, and work. Why? For I am with you. In verse 5, according to the word that I covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. What is he saying? It's not about that building. It's not about the blocks and the gold. It's not about the material things. My spirit was in a burning bush. Then my spirit was in a temporary tabernacle that they took up and took down. But it was the same God. It was the same power. It was the same presence. Then they moved into the final temple. And when it was torn down, my spirit is the same. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Where two or three are gathered in my name, then in my spirit, I'll be there. It's not about the method. It's not about the material things. It's not about the program. It's about His presence being in the place where He is. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter who it is. It's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about Him. I'm with thee. Then he says this, and not only that, not only that, but I'm going to fill this house with glory. I'm going to, I'm going to, not only that, but the glory of this house is going to blow away the glory of the former house. You know what he's saying? You ain't seen nothing yet. You think that was a big deal? 
And watch what he says. He says in the next verse, the silver and the gold is mine. You know what he's saying? If I wanted silver in it, I could put silver in it. If I wanted gold in it, I could put gold in it. You're looking at the wrong things, people. If I wanted it, I could put it in there. I'm doing what I want with what I want, with who I want, how I want. Deal with it. I can do it if I wanted to. Look forward. Look forward. I was looking at this and I said, how in the world is that going, that glory going to outdo the other glory? Because I'd done studied and read all about Solomon. I mean, I'm telling you, everything was unbelievable. There was gold everywhere. If you go study it, everything about his reign and his realm was incredible. So how could that be? Let's look at the verse. Let's look at the verse. The Bible says this. He says in verse 7, I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come. You know who the desire of all nations is? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the next verse, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Who, who, who is the prince of? Say, what made this temple better than the old temple? Because about 500 years later, somebody walked in the flesh. That old temple had the spirit. That old temple had a cloud. But that new temple had a body. Jesus in the flesh walked into that new temple. You're talking about glory. Preacher, what are you saying? You're getting on to people? No, I'm trying to say it. I understand. I do. I understand how they felt. Because I could see them seeing that gold and seeing the, the, the glory. I can see that. I can see how they felt and I can understand that. And this is not this is not a critique and this is not a getting on to somebody. This is an encouragement to tell you, look, God said the best is yet to come. It may not be what it used to be, but the best is yet to come. Don't have to keep looking back. Here's what happens when we keep looking back. When we keep looking at the good old days, they get better than what they really were. I got a dog, or had a dog. Her name was Jojo. Rev's little mountain Jojo. She's pretty. Got pictures of her. And, uh, You know what? Every day after that, boy, in my mind, she got better and better and better. Every story I told about her was a good one. I remember the time she treated the coons, but you know what? I wouldn't ever tell the time she slick treated. I wouldn't ever tell that part. And I wouldn't ever tell the time when she treated the possum. Three times in one night. We don't do that, do we? No, let me tell you about that cast I won. Let me tell you that night she treated them. And you know what we'll do with the good old days? We'll do the same thing. And if we keep doing that, the present and the future will never be able to live up to the good old days. 
I was, me and my dad, me and my dad was in a church service. And this preacher was talking about, bless God, the outhouse. We had to go outside in the snow. And then, and then he talked about snow falling through the, the, the roof. Honest to God. And I'm sitting here. And he's, I mean, one thing after another in, in the amenities of the day. And all this stuff. And I mean, and I'm sitting there with Dad. And, and then he says, boy, if God could take us back to the good old days. I looked at Dad and said, what was good about that? I like indoor plumbing. I like turning on the light switch, bless God. I like it. I like air conditioning. They can have the good old days. Come on, y'all. Now, you old timers know I love every one of y'all. And I'm not saying this to critique nobody. We know we're on the same page. I'm just telling you, don't be discouraged. The best is yet to come. Our young people don't need to see what God did. They need to see what God is doing. You know why they lost that whole crowd? The Bible says there arose a whole generation who knew not the Lord, neither the works that He had done, because all they ever did was talk about what God did. Let me tell you something. God ain't in the did business. He's in the doing business. Amen. Challenge their perspective. Challenge their perspective. Let's not look at this thing like this is terrible. It may not be Solomon's temple. It may not have the gold and the splendor. But when God's through with it, he's going to be in the middle of it. That's all that matters. He clarified their promise. Glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. In this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Number three, who was the first group he addressed? Then the second group. Then the third group, the leading. The leading. He, few, few days later, he came to Zerubbabel. Verse number 20. Chapter 2, verse 20. You there? Say amen. And again the word of the Lord came unto Haggai in the four and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. And I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them. And the horses and the riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shezatel, saith the Lord, and I will make thee as a signet or a crown jewel. For I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Sometimes you as leaders, small group leaders, you can and you're leading that group, Johnny, the care ministry group. All the leaders in here, you're going to run against opposition. See, you got to understand. Let me read and, and show you what they faced, what Zerubbabel faced. In Ezra 4, it says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia, 
To the lingering, he challenged their priorities. To the looking, he challenged their perspective. But then to the leading, he challenged their perseverance. It's always too soon to quit. You're going to have criticism. You're going to have resistance. Don't quit. He tells them, just keep doing what you're doing. I'll handle the rest. Listen, they were facing criticism on every side. Here's, here's one thing I want to help you with. It's one thing when we have to fight the devil's crowd. It's a whole other thing we've got to fight God's crowd. It's, it's very fatiguing fighting the devil. But it's also frustrating when you've got to constantly, constantly, Convince God's people to follow God's plan. And that's what he was facing. He said, just keep on keeping on. I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. Let me encourage everyone in here. If you have a critical spirit, and you have a critical thought that you have to share, don't share it with a baby Christian. Find me. Find Brother Doyle. Find a seasoned saint in here. Don't go spew it out on a baby Christian. Because according to the Bible, that's so in discord among the brethren. It's okay to disagree. We disagree all the time in the staff meeting. But you know what we do in the end? When we come to a conclusion of where we think we need to go and we all pray about it, Whoever disagrees buys into it. We don't go divided. You're never going to please everyone all the time. We're not here to take a consensus poll. God didn't call me to get an opinion. He called me to lead. And I'm not, I'm not, and trust me. I know, I know this is scraping close, but I'm telling you this. If you have an issue, come talk to me. We'll always face this, but don't you worry. If God shows you, if God shows you, everything's going to be all right. He said, look, one day I'm going to put you as a crown jewel. Because I chose you for this purpose. And you know what happened? After this little camp meeting they had, after these messages that God preached, five years they finished the temple. After 16 years of it just going by the wayside, going by the wayside, when God addressed these people, five years they had it done. And 500 years later, Jesus walked through it. God hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Church, best is yet to come. Give him praise and glory. Your heavenly Father.